Hey everyone, welcome back to the Benchmarks Podcast, the eighth official episode of the Benchmarks Podcast. Big number eight. Now we have an outro and an intro that I'm hopefully going to be able to put in. If not, this is going to sound very stupid. But uh, If not, welcome back to episode eight. <laughs> we had a very interesting week of college football. Uh, you just want to get right into the thoughts or do you want to specify anything? Uh, no, let's just get into it. Uh, so starting off with week three, uh, one thing that impressed me a lot was Cincinnati getting a Power 5 win over an Indiana team. Yeah, that's huge. 38-24. Cincy was able to force three interceptions from Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. And if we go look back at my NCAA 14, Road to Glory with, with our, our Road to Glory with yeah, Cincinnati, yeah. Uh, I would have lost my voice yeah, seriously. with three oh picks. My gosh. Uh, Cincinnati looks like they should be higher up they have they've not moved in a good two to three weeks from that eighth spot getting either jumped or just getting jumped and getting other teams replaced in like Penn State jumped up four spots over them I'll get to like that later on when we talk about the AP review but I think Cincinnati is getting very uh mistreated by the voters you asked for you asked for a group of five team to win a power five game and they do it, and they just... And then you still don't do anything with them. They just get yeah. no recognition for it. So what's going to have to happen, for them to be able to move up, they're going to have to clobber uh, Notre Dame in two weeks. Mm-hmm. I and agree. that's the only chance they have. Which I think they can. I, I think they can. They can't. Notre Dame has not looked good. I don't think Notre Dame looks good. And speaking of not looking good, up next I have Clemson surviving Georgia Tech 14-8. to that's embarrassing. Georgia Tech is not good. I can't. I don't know the spread of that game, but I feel like Clemson was projected to win by a good amount. Oh, 100%. And to only win by six? And did you see the end of the game at all? I did. So the play that I saw was they did like a read or like they did like a speed option to the left, but they had like a fullback come into the front and they tried like a forward pitch, and he just mishandled that. If he would have not mishandled that, I. I'm pretty sure he would have scored. I'm pretty sure he would have scored. And Clemson would have one loss and to they, Georgia Tech. And uh, can't forget that that was on fourth down when they did the little dumb shovel option thing. Yeah. Uh, Georgia Tech was then able to get a safety and then get the ball back. But, you know, it, whenever you get – when you have to go 75 yards in, like, what, 16 seconds? Yeah, you can't really do that. You need a miracle. And it just wasn't in the pages for Georgia Tech. I think that looks way better than I thought they would. Than they would. Seriously, they, either either Clemson is really bad, or Georgia Tech might be that good. Or I, I'm gonna. Or maybe they just caught them off guard. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just off guard. Uh-huh. Uh But Georgia Tech is a team that you know I we all everyone kind of thought that their coach would get fired by the end of the year, and this maybe makes them look better to. Well, this probably makes the coach look better to the uh, athletic director. I agree. Uh, but, it, of course, you guys see how the season pans out. The ACC right now, I feel like, is at a weak spot where I feel like I don't think ACC team is going to make it into the college football playoff. Yeah, I don't know. And I also wonder how long will the AP poll keep Clemson in the top ten? They fell three spots, yes. I feel like their name is keeping them afloat at this point. I mean, you can't tell me that you that Ohio State, even though they've they have one loss to a good Oregon team, and Florida, I, I will not. Florida would beat the brakes off of Clemson right now. I agree. And 
Oh, I feel like Ole Miss might be able to, too. Oh, for sure. Uh, I'd also have to wonder, is DJ Unglalele, is he overrated? He only threw for like 185-ish yards in that game. I just feel like he has the talent. Maybe he just hasn't been developed, as cliche as that is. I mean, he's a five-star quarterback out of one of the best high school teams in California. I mean, I can't see him being a bad quarterback, you know? Yeah, and I guess they were expecting a lot from him early Mm -hmm. because... Well, I feel like he's stepping into some pretty big shoes in Trevor Lawrence. And if he's not up there with Trevor Lawrence, people are like, oh, is he overrated? Well, maybe he's not, but he's also being compared to Trevor Lawrence, who's one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. You can't forget Deshaun Watson. Yep, very true. Even Taj Boyd. Taj Boyd, I was about to say Taj Boyd. And, you know, those quarterbacks, besides maybe Taj Boyd, those quarterbacks, as soon as they stepped into the starting role... Are great. They were great. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially Trevor Lawrence, who won a national championship his freshman year. Yeah, which, which is insane. And you're looking at DJ Ongolalele, and you're they're probably not even gonna make the. They might win the ACC championship, yes, but I don't think they're gonna be in that top four spot because right now the top four is looking, or the top like eight is looking pretty solidified as the eight best teams, except for maybe one of those teams, Mister uh, Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I this is not a good look for them, and I know DJ Ungalalele has fallen out of the Heisman race, as far as I know. Looking at the top five Heisman leaders, uh, it's they lost a lot of talent, and I'm just not too sure of the fact that they're going to be able to overcome the amount of talent they lost. I do think that the uh, UNC game was going to be a big test for them, and especially I think Miami might be a big test for them right now, even though Miami is looking. Pretty bad, or not? Yeah. Not bad. They haven't looked like like they were projected to be. Yes, I agree. Uh, actually, speaking of Miami, I'm gonna skip down a little bit. Is Michigan State back? I mean, maybe they beat Miami. Their running backs really good. <laughs> beat Miami thirty to seventeen. That's huge. It's a ranked team. Michigan State jumped from unranked to twenty. I don't know if they actually are good or if my brain just really wants them to be good because I love it when Michigan State's good. When Michigan State is good. College football is good. College football is good. 100%. And they look good. They do look good. I, I don't know what their big first test is, but they'll play Ohio State this year, right? They'll play Ohio State. They'll play Michigan. So play those State. two games. Well, is Michigan right? Yeah, Michigan's 19. Um, Wherever that came from. Yeah, gosh. I don't I don't want Michigan to be good. College football's <laughs> better when Michigan's not good in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got when Michigan was good, we got the uh, Jadavion Clowney Outback Bowl performance. True. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned the running back Kenneth Walker the third. He has fifty-seven carries, four hundred ninety-three yards, and five touchdowns wow. in three games, averaging thirteen point three yards per carry. Oh my gosh! He had two hundred sixty-four yards in the first game. That's some uh, NCAA fourteen numbers right there. Oh yeah, and you know I. Love me some Michigan State. Oh, yeah. Go Spartans, uh, man. Go Spartans. Uh, also have Ole Miss. Ole Miss is heating up. Oh, 100%. They beat Tulane 61 to 21. Let's say, I mean, that yes, Tulane is not a Power 5 team. But with that being said, if Ole Miss was, like, if their game against uh, Louisville was just a fluke and they just looked, like, pretty electric on offense. They would not have done what they did against Tulane, and Matt Corral would not have done what he did against Tulane. Matt Corral, of course, ran for four touchdowns and passed for three at at the quarterback position. Insanity. 
and they about to land also. We're only two weeks removed from them giving Oklahoma a run for their money. Yeah, and just to watch, and that was that was at Norman too, and to watch Tulane go into Vaught Hemingway, and get the break speed off of beat him by forty points, and that was that sixty. They got beat by Matt Corral. They got beat by Matt Corral. Oh yeah, they yeah. got they got curb stomped by that offense. And I mean, I said on uh, on Tar's show, Tar's a good friend of our our podcast. Uh, I went on his radio show and I said that maybe we're overrating Ole Miss's Ole Miss at all. I'm going to retract my statement now on air, well, not on air, but I like Ole Miss now. I, I was, love Ole Miss. I, I love was, their team. I predicted I predicted them to go six and six, and that is looking like my coldest take I have ever had. That is pretty cold because I mean it. They well, have, so you had no way to know. You were basing it off of last season. So yes, let, give they, yourself some slack. Give did, yourself some they slack. did not get, bring in any great recruits on that defense that ranked dead last in college football. Yeah. And, like, their offense was pretty good last year. Offense was great, but they also lost Elijah Moore and yep. Kenny Yaboa. Mm-hmm. And, I, w- I mean, you kind of have to think when you're losing a lot of pieces. I don't trust Lane Kiffin as a coach that much for me just to automatically think that he's going to be just as good as – they could have been last year. Uh, but I don't know who Ole Miss plays next, but I know the SEC schedule is coming up. Right. And one of the fun games that I'm waiting for is Arkansas. I want to see how Arkansas plays against Ole Miss. That will be a big teller of both those teams, both of which I'm pretty high on right now. Oh, yeah. I, I love Arkansas. I love Ole Miss. And it'll be really interesting for me to see how they play against each other. And did you happen to hear about Fresno State UCLA? Oh my gosh, yeah. You heard about like wow. the, the last three minutes of that game? Uh, no, I don't know about the last three, but I saw uh, it. So Fresno State quarterback Jake Hayner. Oh, he he got injured, right? He had a injured hip, and he threw a which is painful, no matter oh, what yeah. you do to it. He threw a seventeen yard touchdown with three minutes left. Uh, DTR and UCLA ran out, took it down the field with a minute left, and the game scored. And with fourteen seconds left. Uh, Jake Hayner throws a 13-yard pass into the end zone to take the lead. No way. On injured hip. Wow. Uh, Badass of the week right there. Oh, yeah. that That is ridiculous, too. And especially UCLA was, right, what, 13th? Yeah, 13th. And we pretty much had them winning the Pac-12 for a good little bit. Look at eight people. They fell 11 spots after that. Fresno State came out from unranked to ranked. Uh, but yeah, UCLA is starting to fall off. Oregon's probably about to run away with that Pac-12 right now. I'd agree with that. I mean, I feel like UCLA was the only one that we thought could really compete. And well, hey, they might still meet in the Pac-12 championship game. Not sure, but right now, I feel like it's Oregon versus everyone else in the Pac-12. Uh, I mean, also looking at the AP poll, and we're talking about it later. There's only two Pac-12 teams in the top 25. And Oregon, UCLA. I mean, and one of them is at. <laughs> the very top, the other one is at the very bottom. Very bottom. Not a good look for Pac-12 right now, especially since they were looking very good in the first two weeks. I agree. Arizona State was ranked. They are not ranked anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I said uh, Oklahoma will win the Big 12 and will not deserve a pl- playoff spot. I agree with that. Beat Nebraska 23-16. to Will they get a playoff spot anyways? Probably, because the playoff committee loves, and I mean loves, conference championship games. Will they get the absolute breaks beaten off 
off of them by Alabama in like what, the Orange Bowl or something? Uh, yes. Oklahoma cannot beat Georgia or Alabama, in my opinion. No chance. Oh, yeah. And this is the year that everyone's like, oh, Oklahoma's defense is good. Spencer Rattler's going to win the Heisman. No on both of those counts. Absolutely no on both those counts. About Oklahoma, the fact is their offense is great and their defense is good, but the fact is they never play on par with each other for the same game. Yes. Because against Tulane, Oklahoma's defense looked bad, and their offense was good. Against Nebraska, Oklahoma's defense was good, yeah. but their offense was bad. Because beating the, a one, team that, one of the greatest interceptions of all time. Oh my God, that beautiful pick! Good God, Odell Beckham. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I can see Oklahoma's only real test is going to be Iowa State, I believe. Oh gosh, I don't think there's another Big Twelve team that I can think of that is anywhere close. Definitely not Texas. Texas lost to Arkansas. They're, they're go- Even though they killed Rice, they absolutely murdered Rice. They did. Uh, Good for them. But right now, it looks like Iowa State is the only team left in I- Oklahoma's way, and they're going to go undefeated. And they're not going to deserve that spot, but they're going to get that spot. Because, I mean, whoever loses our, whoever loses the SEC championship between Georgia and Alabama is going to probably get knocked out. Even though they should get the four slot, in my opinion. Yeah, they're gonna. They, if Notre Dame can lose in the ACC championship game and get in, I don't. I do not see why an undefeated or a one loss Georgia could not sneak into the four spot. Makes no sense to me. And I know. I mean, they'd be tempted to because I know they're the play, uh, playoff committee is drooling at the fact of having four conference champions in the playoffs, and you know, uh, Alabama and Oregon and Oklahoma and then whoever wins the Big Ten, of course, with. Uh, Iowa, Penn State, or even even if Ohio State's able to come back from their loss to Oregon, I know they would. They're going to love another year of screwing over the group of five. Oh, 100 percent. And the whole money debate annoys the crap out of me. I know Cincinnati isn't your like top twenty money makers in college football, but if they if they just earn that spot, they have earned that spot. They have definitely earned that spot. And you cannot tell me that that Cincinnati if Cincinnati wins out beating an Indiana and a Nebraska and not a Nebraska Notre Dame a Notre Dame that that's any better or that's any worse than Oklahoma being at four by only beating a Nebraska and a Tulane. Yeah, a, te- a Nebraska is only two weeks out from losing to Illinois. Yeah, we can't. And I think Illinois lost to a group of five team, right? They, they lost to someone recently. They lost to Maryland, I know. Recently. They lost Friday to Maryland. Uh, but yeah, I, I I hate the committee because they <laughs> yes. hate the group of five. Yes. And and I know it was like group of five, they're not as good as the power five. They're gonna get curb stomped by Bama either way. Like whoever plays Alabama is going to get curb stomped. Whoever Would you rather see a group of five get curb get curb stomped or Oklahoma getting curb stomped for the for the fifth year in a row? Like, and the thing is, on paper, Cincinnati is not a group of, is not a group of five team anymore. They're a Big Twelve team in the coming years. Let's let them get a shot. I mean, they're not gonna beat Bama. They're not gonna. They might stand a chance against some of these other teams. I feel like they could beat Oklahoma right now. Ah, uh, yeah, UTSA beats Illinois. Yeah. Even though Illinois definitely beat Nebraska. Yeah. But, like, Cincinnati could hang 
could hang with Oklahoma right now. I agree. And that I, would be a really good game, actually. It would be a great game. I think Cincinnati. If that could be a New Year's Six, I'm watching that. I'm from so beginning down to for end. that. Yeah. Screw Auburn's Birmingham Bowl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like Cincinnati is getting screwed over by the committee yet again. And the fact that they're below AM annoys the crap out of me because AM is bad. AM is atrocious. I have not been impressed with AM at all this year. Same. We'll get to that later on in the show. <laughs> See, do I have any other ones? Are we going to start with Alabama? Uh, we will, but I have a few more things. Uh, something you might like is Northern Arizona University beat the University of Arizona. No way. Lumberjacks, baby. 21 to 19. Okay. That's beyond embarrassing for the University of Arizona. Oh, yeah. But congrats to my Lumberjacks up there in Flagstaff. And Great also, game by them. Also, have to call out the team that I have yet to have ever picked in any of our prediction weeks. Notre Dame isn't the twelfth best team. They Definitely have not. Been bailed out out of an zero and three start. Yes, one hundred percent. Purdue got screwed. Toledo got screwed, and Florida State. If Mackenzie Milton had played the entire game, win win for Florida State, and they would not be winless like they are right now. I don't know why they're splitting. They might be the best winless team in the country. They might. They're competing, <laughs> even though they lost to a Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State has a lot of D1 bounce backs. Yeah, they, they always give everyone fits. Just, just whenever you can't cover a Hail Mary, Hail Mary or yeah. whatever that is. Chance happens. play. That's like a 1 in 100 play right there. And I also brought up that Auburn might have the best running back duo in college football. I agree with that. I can't think of anyone else that... Well, if Bama used a dual-back system, which I don't think they do. They use a committee. I, I'm just doing, like, by twos. Because they, they use, like, Jason McClellan and Brian Robinson. They use Trey they, Sanders. They throw in Trey Sanders a little bit. And then, you know, George is all about... Let's give five running backs, like, five carries a game. Well, throwback to when Trey Sanders said he was going to win the Heisman as a freshman. And he's and, now a junior. Did he tear He tore his ACL that... Like fall camp or whatever, right? Like after he committed, he went to go train or he practiced and he's towards ACL. I don't know, but he hasn't started yet, so he can't really say that. He is not. Uh, but yeah, looking at so Tank Bigsby, of course, forty nine rushes, three hundred and forty three yards, four touchdowns, averaging seven point three yards a carry. I think he's only one touchdown away from tying what he did last year in three games. Wow, that's very impressive. And then of course Jaquez Hunter, the standout. I love Jaquez. Came out of nowhere. Or Jarquez. Jarquez. He has 26 rushes for 320 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 12.3 yards a carry. Wow. Which is impressive considering that he has played a Penn State defense now. Yeah. And he kept that as high as it was. Yeah. I feel like he's sec. I think he's second in college football because he's averaging one less yard than Michigan State running back is. But Jarquez looks great. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Sean Shivers. I think he's still I think he's injured or is injured. I don't mind not seeing him play. I've never really been a big Sean Shivers fan. Yeah, personally. I feel like Jarquez kind of solidified his RB two spot. But I'm I agree. I'm not opposed to having Sean Shivers play. I mean, we love having a third back that can play, so I like it. And it, I I haven't we haven't seen Jarquez or Tank really go around in, but I know Tank or not Tank Sean can. If you get him some speed, he'll run over some corners for you. Yeah, like if if you can get Sean catching a ball in space and having him going downhill on a safety, Sean's going to win that every time. And moving on to a hot take, probably. Because I feel like as soon as I say this, is whenever they're going to start murdering people again. 
Alabama did not look invincible against Florida. Oh, absolutely not. They should have won that game by 14 or, like, 21 points. Because they were up by a good amount for a little while, but then Florida's defense stepped up. Which is big, considering that Alabama has probably the best offense in the SEC, maybe compared to Ole Miss, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and they had, I forgot, I don't know the score. It was 21-9 to at one point, and then it got became a good game. Out of nowhere, really. But also, the Bama defense is not built to stop the run this year, it looks like. Yeah. Unless Dan Mullen just had a had the, had the dream playbook going on to play Bama. Yeah. Because Florida rushed for 245 yards without even using AR-15. AR-15. Anthony Richardson being their star backup quarterback, who many people, including myself, would like to see start. Because I have not been that impressed with Emory Jones. Uh, but I feel like if, it, if you put Anthony Richardson, as athletic as he is, as big as he is, you put him in for that two-point conversion play, he gets it. And Bama 100%. goes to overtime. Yeah. But instead, they left Emory Jones to do whatever that read option play was, where he decided to hold it while the running back was running it in. And Terrible. It, it, it was weird looking. I'll never really understand that, honestly. Yeah, and the thing about Dan Mullen, he's – so stubborn when it comes to quarterbacks that I don't think he's gonna bench Emory Jones. Absolutely not. Which Emory Jones said that he's gonna meet. They're gonna meet Bama again, but I don't know about that. Georgia's defense is not to be trifled with. Yeah, I wouldn't be talking mess to Georgia right now. Georgia has always built their defense on making sure that your running back is going to have a very bad day. Oh yeah. In a season where every team had a bad defense last year. Georgia's still only allowed, like, 50 rushing yards a game. That's insane. And their defense hasn't improved tremendously, but it has gotten some star players in, especially with Jordan Davis. Mm -hmm. At 6'6", 330 pounds, defensive tackle, is not going to let Emory Jones or Malik Davis rush for 245 yards. Mm -hmm. So... I don't like. I don't think Florida is a great team, but they're gonna have two losses on this season. I feel like. Yeah. And I would have said three, but Kentucky. Kentucky. Kentucky made me so mad. Sorry about that, Dill. I am so mad about I know. Kentucky. I know. Because now I have to go making a public apology <laughs> to every <laughs> yeah. Ole Miss fan. Hey, it's part of the college football world. You got to make bold takes, and sometimes they get shot down, and sometimes you're right. Yeah. I used to be in wrong. <laughs> Thanks, yep. 2021 season. Seriously. You 2007 clone. Uh, we love it, though. We love it, though. But, yeah, looking at the stats, so Bryce Young still threw for, like, 240 yards, has still had, like, a good amount of touchdowns. The off, their offense played well. Yes. Just Florida's defense was prepared. They had a bend-but-don't-break mentality, but whenever they hit 21, whenever Bama hit 21 is when Florida's defense was like, all right, you're not going to score that much anymore. So they only scored yeah. 10 points since, like, the first quarter. They almost get, only scored 10 points through three quarters, which is amazing considering Bama's, like, track record this season. Was Very true. And then also something that I've learned over this week, that officiating is terrible. Abysmal. Absolutely god-awful. Uh... We had, Example number one, you have to talk about Mississippi State-Memphis. Mississippi I don't know the rules. Of, 
I think the ref tried to explain himself by saying that he was supposed to hand the ball to the official. No. But if your knee is down and you're touching the ball on a punt cover, the ball's down. The ball is down. That is outrageous. And the fact that they didn't even go back and review it or change think. it or any of the other refs be like, "Hey, that's not how football works." But honestly, it's thank God the SEC came out and said that they're sorry. Doesn't matter. I I personally hate it when conferences do that because it's like, oh, sorry, that was wrong. You still have a loss on your record. Yeah, sorry. It, so it really doesn't matter. Your season's over. Yeah, that's like that's like hitting hitting someone's car and being like, oh, sorry. And it, it lit a it lit a fire in Mississippi State. It's like they ran out of time. Yes. If there had been five minutes left on that clock, they would have won this game. Hundred percent. They only lost by two. Yeah. But you get rid of that touchdown. They win by five. Yeah. It's was ridiculous. that game closer than it should have been? Yes. Probably. Should Memphis have won? Absolutely not. They didn't earn it. Mississippi I, State I, outgained them by 300 yards of total offense, I believe. Mississippi State had 11 first downs, and I think Memphis had something like um, like, like three or four or something. Like Mississippi State doubled them in almost every category, and it was still that close, and they lost because of a terrible call by the officials. And we also had... Oklahoma State beating Boise. I don't know if you heard about this. Tell Boise me. lost by one. Okay. But they would have won had a scoop and score not been called dead. Whoa. The running back fumbled. Boise State picked it up, ran it in. No way. But then the ref blew the whistle, called wow. it dead. Oklahoma State wins. That is awful. And then the last thing I have before we go into like the targeting rule stuff. The double standard pass interferences or pass interference calls in Auburn Penn State. Yes, we saw that they could have called a flag on uh, pass, pass interference in the end zone where Kobe Hudson got knocked down. But they did because that could have won not won us the game. That could have tied us the game. Would have cha- completely changed the outcome of that game. Because if you have a first down from the inch line, you're gonna score. Yeah. Unless you're going against maybe George's defense and your run game is not good. All you have to do is snap the ball and extend your arm, and it's a touchdown. And, of course, we have T.J. Finley. They could have gone in for QB sneak. Yeah. We, we had a bunch of options. And, and Tank. That's Tank and, territory. Tank and Jarquez were averaging over five yards a carry against. they. I will take Tank Bigsby doing a halfback dive in, into the end zone on fourth down. Against any team, and you know what? And if he if, if he doesn't get it, you des- you deserve to win that game. Yes. But we didn't do that. Also, should they have called that? Yes. But as a coach, why are you calling a fade route with a receiver who's not tall against Penn State's best corner, one of the the best corners in the Big Ten? I like what Harson said afterwards. He said that it was a play call, and Kobe was just one of the five receivers that could have gotten the ball in the play. So maybe Bo just wanted to throw the fade. But well, and, and that's a terrible choice by Bo. I I just would have much rather had some kind of run play or some kind of quick pass, like a like a quick little slant or anything other than a fade route with our receivers who are not tall. I forgot who said it. it Might have been you or uh, our friend Carter. Whenever talking about that play, it was either uh, we said it was that he was just trying to get that pass interference called. Maybe get yeah. All Mac first yeah. down. Maybe which maybe Bo saw him being held and he's like, if I throw this, it'll be pass interference. Yeah. Which, you know what, if that's the case, then that's a good choice by Bo, honestly. It's a very high-risk, high-reward scenario. Yes, and he got the very bottom end of that Yeah, deal. he got the, the first high-risk. 
Yeah. Uh, which ultimately cost them the game, which gave them gave Penn State first down on the one yard line where they got stuffed twice, but they were able to throw the ball up. The same exact scenario. Auburn's corner knocks down Penn State's wide receiver in the same manner that Kobe got knocked down. Yeah, you can't you and can't call that pass interference and not call the one on on us. Exactly. The only difference is the fact that if Auburn would have gotten that, they would have scored. The fact that and you know what, maybe we wouldn't have gotten the two point conversion, and maybe Penn State still would have won. Maybe, but you just can't do that. That was frustrating. I'm not gonna blame that loss on the refs because I think Penn State got cheated out of a third down or something in the first half. They did in the first quarter. Yeah, which which is crazy, and that should have never happened. It also. First, um, third, fourth. <laughs> and, like, the refs, I think, called it overall good game. But when it's crunch time, you have to be on the top of your game like that. You can't... When when it's two evenly matched teams and it is a great game, you cannot make bad calls like that. Like, if, let's say, Auburn was up by 50 points and you don't call a pass interference, I'm not going to care. You're not going to care. Auburn fans aren't going to care. But when it's something like that on as big of a stage as that was in, that is unacceptable. Also sucks the fact that they didn't call that one, but they called the Penn State one. Yes, that made it even worse. It's like the double standard is. I mean, I understand when it's like that. Whenever it's fourth quarter, the game's this tense. You want to let them play, but if you're gonna let them play, let them play. Yeah, let the boys play. Honestly, like, don't don't not call it whenever someone gets knocked down, but then do call it whenever someone on the other yeah. team gets knocked down. Yeah, absolutely not. It makes absolutely no sense. And speaking of things that make no sense, the targeting rule. The targeting. Ugh. I can go on for so long if you let me take this real quick. Oh, um, so. Targeting targeting is a good intention penalty. If you, I mean, you can make the argument for that. I personally think that you should not be ejected for something that is ninety five percent of the time accidental, and ninety five percent of the time is happening in the speed of a Division One play. Which, I don't know who made this rule. I'm going to assume that it did, was not created by coaches or college players. But it is impossible to understand how fast these athletes are and how fast they move and how strong they are. You cannot create a rule to tell players to not lower their head when they are moving over 20 miles an hour at a guy. They cannot comprehend, hey, I don't need to hit with the crown of my helmet. I need to lead with my shoulder more. Because then if you get their brains thinking like that, they're not being football players. You're making them analytically think how they're going to move their body instead of going with their instincts, which is how they're coached to play. I'm not saying they're coached to play to lead with their head, but they're coached to follow their instincts, which are correct. And the greatest players in all of football have good instincts. It's what they're born with. They're born to be football players. So you can't get mad at Zacoby who clearly tried to lead with his shoulder but was at an awful angle where this Penn State guy is running straight and he's kind of coming at like this 45 degree angle and he tried to lead with his shoulder but since they're going so low he can't not lower his head with his shoulder and he didn't even hit his shoulder hit him along with his head I don't really even think that's targeting and if you want to have this targeting rule Make it to where they don't get ejected on the first one. Sure, make it a 15-yard penalty if that's what you want to do, but you can't eject players for things that 
or like um, Skalski, the Clemson linebacker, yeah. who hit Justin Fields in his side, but somehow by textbook definition led with his head when Justin Fields is kind of lowering his body into him anyways. You can't kick out Clemson's star defensive player, their team leader, in the biggest game of their season because, oh, by textbook definition, Justin Fields might have been unsafe. The bottom line is, if you're scared about your safety, you do not need to be playing Division One football. If you are scared about your brain, if you are scared about your, your mental health or your uh, or your physical health 30 years down the road, don't play football. Nobody's forcing you to play football. Absolutely no one's forcing you to play football. I feel like a better quote is, I feel like if, you, if you're scared, you're going to get hurt by getting tackled. It's probably a better statement to say. If you're okay, scared sure. that a tackle's yeah, yeah. going to hurt you, then you probably should not be playing the sport. Yes. And of course, while we're watching the play, you obviously see that Kobe was moving his head out way. Yes. Every, any part of his helmet that hit him was completely accidental. Yeah. And intention is supposed to be the big thing. If yes, intention is supposed to be the big thing. And that's that's the most first, the most frustrating. And part the most it. annoying part is if he didn't tackle him that way, he scored. The man was reaching over with the ball, but the score touchdown that would have. I mean, of course they scored anyways. Yes, but that was a at a big moment in the game. Massive moment in the game. And, and Zacoby's one of the like I would say the leader on that defense. He is one of two leaders. Yes, him and Owen Papo, who Auburn was down. Both of those guys in the second half. Insane. And the defense still played pretty good. Which I'm proud of them for that. Very proud of them for I'm that. I'm very proud of that entire defensive core. Uh, they honestly played very well, and they played up to that stage. Um, but also with that being said, I would challenge the NCAA. What do you want him to do? What would you have wanted him to do? No, no, no. Get, get a guy moving at that angle and get a linebacker and textbook tell him how is he supposed to hit them. How is he supposed to do that differently? How should he approach it? Because honestly, he needs to learn if that's what you're saying. These players need to learn how to tackle or as I think like these officials say all the time, oh, you need to you know, coach these players to not lead, lead with their head. Okay, that's fair. What do you want them to do then? What do you want them to do? And the, the people that make these rules don't play football. They don't play football. They or don't if they it. have, they have not played since like high school. What I was saying earlier years ago, is that these players, especially in the NFL and also in college, they're moving so fast. You cannot tell them you if if they take an extra second to think about their head placement, they're gonna miss a tackle and the guys might break it for a touchdown, might break it for a first down. You just can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah. Two moving objects going at twenty miles an hour at least on Insanity. both sides. Yeah. They're not gonna be able to react in time just to like you can't you can't, you can't just not have your head where your shoulders are. Yes. The whole the whole like quote is keep your head on your shoulders, right? Yeah. And I don't know about you, but if I'm moving around, if I move my shoulders around, my your head, head kind of moves with your shoulders. Head, head kind of goes with it. Yeah. And you lower your shoulder. Guess what? You're lowering your head. Yeah. Also, I think isn't part of the de- definition like a defenseless player. Defenseless player. Yes. Well, if you're diving, then I, you're throwing yourself into a position. I have some position. rules. I posted on our Twitter at the Benchwarmers Pod. God with a zero. Give it a follow if you want some intelligent football content. Of course. I sometimes forget that I have to post on there as well. We'll get a little better with it. We'll hire some social media interns. Get it going. <laughs> I was having a TikTok. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but So what is targeting football? Simply put, the targeting rule prohibits players from making forcible contact against an opponent with the crown of the helmet. Which I don't think he did, right? The no, crown of the helmet. He hit him with the shoulder. And yes. The only part of the helmet that hit him was probably the side. Um, for those of you at home, the crown of the helmet is uh, the upper portion of your head, not the side of your head and not your shoulder. Yeah, the NCAA finds it as the portion of the helmet above the level of the top of the face mask. 
That means that it has to be more than a legal tackle or block or playing the ball. And when in question, it is ruled a foul. And also they made some indicators. A launch, a player leaving his feet to attack an opponent at an upward and forward thrust of the body to make forceful contact in the head or neck area. A crouch followed by an upward and forward thrust to attack with forceful contact. Leading with helmet, shoulder, or forearm with forceful contact to the head or neck area. And lowering the head before attacking by an initiating forceful contact with the crown of the helmet. And I read through these, and I rewatch that tackle. <laughs> he, no. He never, he didn't even hit him in the head or neck area. He hit him in the back of the shoulder. Yeah. And the guy's wearing pads. That's what they're meant for. They're, that's not going to hurt him. And if it does, and he wasn't hurt. He was not. And if it did hurt him, then he probably should not be playing in <laughs> any kind of contact sport. Yes. If he got hurt through a pad. And it, most of these are upward, too. He hit him going down, going downhill, hit him with his shoulder on his shoulder, pushing him down on the ground, and then accidentally his helmet grazed him. All the all the forceful contact went from his shoulder to his shoulder. Yes. From Jacoby's to that receiver's. Yeah. And it stopped him from scoring. I, I think was a third down or a second down. It was definitely a third down. Definitely a third down. Gave them first down. They scored. Yes, because how and, can you not score from the edge line? Basically, kind of based on how Auburn's offense was kind of initiating at that point, put them out of range. Yes, that so I think over. that was what won them the game. That is what took over the game. Yeah. It, the targeting rule is so dumb. I think if you're going to eject players, give them two shots. Two shots, yes, because if. It is very clear whether a player does that intentionally or not. And, like, there's a play. Um, I think it was Baylor versus Oklahoma in 2012 or 13 when a Oklahoma receiver is looking for the ball and the Baylor safety does nothing but just lower his head and sees this defenseless player, kind of launches his body at him and absolutely knocks this player out cold. That is targeting. That you're not playing the ball, he's not a threat of scoring, he's just playing the ball, and he absolutely knocked him out cold, which is, I feel like, what the creation of this penalty was created to stop. And in essence, it has, but now it's also added this whole other level to the game where you can get players like Skalski or Zakobi taken out of a game, which almost is detrimental. It's not even a 15-yard penalty. It's an absolute game-changer of a penalty, and it just shouldn't be. It's not designed for that. These players know they are aware of targeting. It has been around for I don't know how many years. How, like This penalty's been Since enacted. Since high school, I think. So, all right, so probably like four or five years. So players know what it is. It isn't like this is some new penalty where players are trying to retrain themselves. They are very well aware of what it is. And like I said, they changed it this year to where they don't have to go in the locker room. Cool. Like, no one really cares besides the players themselves, I guess. But, um... But, uh, I don't know. Look, listen, we can talk about this for hours. We can pull up videos. We can pull up evidence. We could present a whole case before the NCAA at this point. I feel like you and I could. Uh, yeah. But I say we move towards Bo Nix and his play. I just want to say one thing about Zacoby. I hated it for him because did you see, when he went off the field. Oh, he fell on the ground. He fell on the ground. He knows crying. that that game, he felt, res- I'm sure he feels responsible for losing He feels responsible. He, he went on Twitter and apologized. For it, which is out- outrageous. Like he, like we love Zacoby. He's a leader. Everyone on the team absolutely loves this guy, and you can just tell the anguish that he had because, and you can also see through that video his intentions. His intention was not malicious. He was not trying to hurt a man. He was trying to help his team by stopping a guy score. And then Pitts would kick a field goal. Auburn would have been in touchdown. 
and within a touchdown of winning the game. But keeping it Auburn related, uh, we're Auburn students. We we hear what people say, uh, and Auburn fans are getting on my last nerve by hating on Bo Nix. This Bo Nix hate is unwarranted. Of course, you can be mad at him for the past two years, but you could not deny that Bo Nix has been playing his best football this year. Bo Nix has put, played his best away game that we have seen as Auburn fans. 100%. I agree with that. He had some overthrows. Sure. He had some bad throws. Sure. But guess what? Name one game where a quarterback has thrown a perfect pass every time. You're getting, there is none. You're getting a guy who is on. He is developed. He's developing at this point, which is something we've not seen an Auburn quarterback do in ages, more than likely. And usually, whenever they're developing, they're developing in the downward spiral. But you're looking at Bo Nix. They only lost by eight points. Twenty-one for thirty-seven, one hundred eighty-five yards, no touchdowns, of course. Because yeah. Auburn's receiving core is the worst part of the team. But also, no turnovers. I don't know why Auburn fans are just going to act like... He's not Bo Picks. Yeah, he's not he's Bo not. Picks anymore. You cannot make that joke anymore. Yeah. Right? We have, of course, we haven't played an SEC schedule. But this is, a gr- this is a very good Penn State team. I remember telling you before the game, Penn State secondary is a really elite. good second, elite yeah. secondary. Probably the best in the Big, Big Ten, Ten yeah, right definitely. now. And he went in there... Did what he could. He tweaked his shoulder in the first quarter, which you could blame some of the overthrows on that as well, some of the bad throws. Sure, But I'm not. I'm going to keep it off of that. Okay. Every quarterback has bad throws. This, he did not throw a single interception against a team that was known for making quarterbacks make mistakes, and this quarterback did not make any mistakes. Bo Nix is a good quarterback, and Auburn fans, Auburn People that hate Bo Nix are too afraid to admit the fact that Bo Nix is not the bad quarterback that we saw two years ago. Is he elite or the best quarterback in the the SEC? No. No, not at all. Is he a bad quarterback? No. Would I take Bo Nix over... I remember... Who are they? I forgot their name. But they ranked uh, uh, PFF. They ranked Bo Nix at 64th before the season. Is Bo Nix the 64th best quarterback in the nation? No. Bo Nix is at the least top 30. I would I would take Bo Nix over a lot of quarterbacks. And Auburn fans that hate on him are so afraid to admit that Bo Nix is a good quarterback. Yes. We've seen, we could, we've seen what he was able to do when he had these great receivers. If Auburn had Seth Williams... Last night, if Auburn had Anthony Schwartz last and Anthony Schwartz last night, two players who left for the draft, and of course Seth Williams now is a free agent, so he probably really should have stayed. If Auburn had Seth Williams last night or Saturday night, I th- oh, think we see when? a different ball game. Yes, because I don't know who the tallest player on Auburn is or uh, the tallest receiver is. Number zero, and he's six feet, six feet. Tall. Well, no, Shedrick Jackson's six two. But Shedrick has always has never been a go up and get a receiver. I agree. But Seth Williams was. And I feel like if Seth Williams was there, that fade route would have gone to Seth Williams. And I feel like that ball would have been caught because we've seen Seth Williams time in and time out catch those passes. But now we're watching Bonex have to rely on these five foot or six foot tall, six foot even, or even Shedrick Jackson, six foot two self, 
and six foot and below are most of our receivers. We to see him rely on those guys to go up and get passes. And I feel like Auburn should. I know we use less tight ends a lot now. I feel like we should have used a tight end in that kind of scenario. Yes. So I mean, how tall is our, t- our tallest tight end? Six foot seven, Brendan Frazier. Um, if we do a little uh, fade route with him, but I feel like he's been moved down so far in the depth chart. But even John Samuel Shanker, six foot four. Uh, I think Luke Deal, six four as well. I mean, you have all these big boy tight ends that can do what you wanted Kobe Hudson to do. I feel like Auburn should have just used a tight end in that scenario. But yeah, I, I but just to finish up this segment. Auburn fans need to learn to respect their quarterbacks. Yes. You cannot tell me that TJ Finley is a better quarterback than Bo Just Nix. because Bo Nix is not Cam Newton does not mean he's bad. There, I said it. We saw it with, we saw it with Jared Stenham, too, when we were here. People wanted Malik Wilson. And no. Malik well, Wilson was not good when he was wearing an Auburn jersey. I agree with that. If you gave me Liberty Malik Wilson right now, I'd take him. Sure. Over Jared Stenham. Sure. Well, you're, but, t- you're two Jared. You're two Jarrett. Your uh, one Jarrett I, I was good? I don't know. I feel like that Malik Willis right now is better than Jarrett. We can do yeah. that in another show. Uh, do you want to do the, the what if thing we were talking about before the show? or? Um, Let's I mean, move on to let's get to the good content that we wrote down with the top five teams we're most impressed with. You can hit that off. All right. I've been impressed with a great deal of teams, and I've also been very We've been very unimpressed, unimpressed with a lot of teams. <laughs> And a lot of my unimpressive teams are teams that many people know of. I'll do that one first because yeah, I feel yeah, like that one's that. funnier. That. At number five, I have Oklahoma. You have you are three and zero. Potentially should be one and two because you almost lost to a bad Nebraska team and a sub. Not, I don't say subpar. A good Tulane team, but you're Oklahoma. Yeah. You if if you're you're Oklahoma and Ole Miss was able to. Wipe the floor with Tulane. You were a CFP potential candidate, someone who is not a few years out of having back-to-back Heisman winners, but you with your five-star quarterback, the number one quarterback from his class, I believe, you weren't able to beat Tulane by more than two touchdowns. You also weren't able to beat Nebraska by a lot. I am very unimpressed with Oklahoma. That defense is bad. Offense is inconsistent. At four, I have... The Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State, of course, is 2-1. and one, Lost to Oregon. Probably should have lost to Minnesota, but Mo Ibrahim got hurt, so you got bailed out by that. Uh, I feel like C.J. Stroud is... Oh, I feel like he's a good quarterback. I just feel like this Ohio State defense is what's holding them back. If Ohio, if Ohio State is able to re, rekinder that great defense they have been known for in recent years, that they'll be back in contention for the Big Ten. Right now, I am very unimpressed with how their defense is played, and I, and I think the number ten spot is a little high for them right now. I agree. At three, I'm going to the SEC. The number seven team, Texas A&M. You can't not talk about Texas A&M after they beat Colorado by three points. One of the bottom of the bucket teams in the Pac-12. Right and now. they were they weren't able to run away from Kent State, Kent State until the second half. Yeah, and Texas A&M. As much as college football would be so cool to see Texas A&M back in the Johnny Manziel beating Bama era, they're not the team they were last year. They were not. And I feel like that has to do with a lot with the fact that their quarterback situation isn't looking too hot. Well, yeah, because their starter's out for another three, four weeks. And he's going to have to miss the Arkansas game 
and I believe the Bama game. And Zach Calzada did not look good against Colorado. He looked, I guess he looked good against a New Mexico team, but you should look good against a New Mexico team. I can't wait to see how he plays this week against a very good Arkansas team. Uh, at number two, I have the team that I hate probably more than I hate any other team. I have the Notre Dame Fighting Irish at number two. Yes. Uh, Notre Dame has been bailed out of three games after they thought Jack Cohn was going to be their savior. It turns out he's not. Notre Dame has a good running back. They have good players. Their team is very... Or, not very... I'm not going to use very there. They're not up to what their name thinks they are. Their fans think they're a great team. They are not. They are going to lose very soon to a team that can bring in talent unlike they can. Notre Dame is able to win off of the fact that they have five stars and four stars, which, for some reason, is keeping these other teams in the game. When yeah. you when you, when you you average a top 15 recruiting class, you should not be only beating Toledo by three points. I agree. And you should not be only beating Purdue by 14, and you should not be beating a very bad Florida State team by only, what, was it only three for them, too? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I hate Notre Dame. And number one, I have the Clemson Tigers. I said it at the beginning of the show, I think DJ Ogilele is a little overrated right now, but I feel like this kind of dude... He has a very high ceiling. I'd high say. ceiling. One of the highest in college football. Yes. He's not as high as like a Bryce Young or oh, Spencer mm. Rattler's ceiling. Bryce Young, I... Feel like could be one of the best quarterbacks. Because I feel at, at best, DJ Ungolele should be playing on like a Taj Boyd level. <laughs> yes, whereas Bryce Young should be. I think his ceiling is best quarterback Bama's ever had, personally. Oh, of course, without yeah. a doubt. Especially because he because like Tua Tua was good, Jalen Hurts was good. Both those guys are going to be you know pretty good NFL players. I'd say. Who do you think is the best quarterback in Bama's history? Um, definitely Jake Coker. <laughs> that was a joke. Sorry, guys. Jake I, Coker, I, not good. Um, I'm pretty sure he works real estate now. Also known yes. as not playing football. But <laughs> real talk, I feel like I'd have to say Jalen Hurts. I'd have to even I know he got benched for Tua, but resume wise, Jalen Hurts probably. I'd probably go with the other quarterback in that that team. I'd probably go with Tua. Okay, I think that's Tua fair. Was, no, I, I mean like I don't I don't hate that take. I feel like they're both up there. They're they're, you know? they're both up there. Yes. But I feel like they're they are the top weirdly two. Weirdly enough. Yeah. We did not say Mac Jones. We did not. Uh, Didn't the, bring him up. The la- I saw Matt Jones play in person in the 2019 Iron Bowl, and I was not impressed. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> no, just kind of like thrown into that mix. Yeah, yeah, just throw him in there. And he um, also had a lot of good receivers. <laughs> I feel like Matt Jones kind of got carried. I feel like it'd be really hard to be a bad quarterback in that team. Yeah, I, honestly, looking back, I... I'm not, I'm not saying Matt Jones is bad by any means. He's easily the number three best up there. The only quarterback I can think of that... Of where I don't know the receiver's names, because, you know... A lot of times at Bama, the receivers make the quarterback. Joe Namath is the only one I can think of that I can't remember any. I can't name any of his wide receivers, but I'm not gonna give him number one. I don't think Joe Namath is all that good. Uh, but yeah, Tua is my. Yeah, Joe is not good. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> How many picks did he throw in Super Bowl? A lot. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. He, I think he had. I, I'm pretty sure he had more touch. He had more picks than he had touchdowns in the in the NFL. But good since, for him. But since he got that New York Jets Super Bowl, he was. Put in the Hall of Fame. For some reason. Anyways, let's right. let's move on. Moving on to my top five teams that I have been most impressed with during these first three weeks of the college football season. 
At number five, I have BYU. BYU, I must give y'all a formal apology. I was not very high on y'all going into this year. I thought Zach Wilson made your team, and I was wrong. I have seen you beaten two ranked opponents. You have beaten a Utah team that you had a very long losing streak to. And Saturday, I saw y'all beat an Arizona State team that was ranked. I think BYU is on the way up. I really like their trajectory right now. Will they? I don't know. I don't know the rest of their schedule. But so far, I've been very impressed with the Cougars. Mm-hmm. At four, I have a team we've been talking about a lot, a team that me and you both think are is a is uh, me a team me and you both think is that makes college football great. Michigan State. Michigan State. Hundred uh, percent. When they're running back absolutely went off against it. their season opener was I think at Northwestern yes. I was beyond impressed I and like also I, I'm gonna be I'm very honest with myself I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna make any claims about their team but it's exciting to see that they're good again I love when Michigan State's good and I love this running back because you know 264 yards is a lot that's a lot in college football and you know when you first hear about it you're like oh who they play and you're they like, played a conference opponent? And they played a Big Ten team. Yep. They played a Northwestern team that was pretty dang good at defense last year. Oh, yeah. Oh, their defense was great last year. I think their yeah. defense was the best in the Big Ten last year. And I don't know if they lost some players that I wasn't aware of, but I, I they, got, they got ran over. Yeah. And at three, I have my second favorite team in college football. Cincinnati Bearcats, baby. The Bearcats. 3-0. and Beat a Power 5 team. I'll keep it short and sweet. They're going to beat Notre Dame. Yep, I agree with that. Move on to number wouldn't two. Even, wouldn't even say that that's a hot take. Would not even say that that's a hot take. Number two, I have another team I have to formally apologize to. The Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, y'all have played amazingly. Great offense. Defense has played a, a great. Oh, so much better than we thought how they were going to play. I mean, I don't know how you go from a number 127 defense in college football let's, to let's, like a top Let's just say the worst defense in college football. Let's just the, say that. The worst. Probably the, the worst. worst ever. The worst for how good they should be. Yeah. Yes. And out of nowhere, you see this team, they're they're shutting down opponents. Hold on. And Are they playing at... Oh, they're playing at Bama this year. That makes it... If, if it was at the Vought, I would be so much more excited. Oh, but my God. We'll I, see. We can I, get I, that I, there. Bite, I would buy tickets <laughs> for that game, probably. Oh, dude, hey, we could go out there. We could uh, see Luke. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I love Ole Miss. I don't know how... I don't know what Lane Kiffin did. I feel like there's... I don't know. I love it. I I am excited to... I'm going to go out on a limb. I think he might be the first Saban disciple to defeat his old master. Yeah, we did think it'd be be really funny if the first Nick Saban assistant coach to come back and beat him is not Kirby, but in fact, it's Lane Kiffin. Of all people. After a failure at Tennessee, a failure at USC. Okay at um, Florida Atlantic? Okay at FAU? And then goes to Ole Miss. It only takes them two years to turn that team back around, really. Yeah, well, two, Matt three. Corral is an absolute stud. I love Matt Corral. Dude went from throwing 13 picks in two games to, to being a god. He has thrown no picks. He currently has, I think he has four more touchdowns than Bryce Young does. And I, oh, no, I think he has, and like maybe like 20 more yards. I think the Heisman race is between those two. I agree. I would love to see Ole Miss take home a Heisman. I would love to see it. Oh, it'd be beautiful. Be incredible. And my number one team that I'm most impressed with, a team that I was very high on going to this season anyways, oh, yeah. Woo Pig Suey. I have the Arkansas Razorbacks as my most impressive team. 
Uh, just a disclaimer, as an Auburn fan, Arkansas should have beaten us last year, and uh, they, they got screwed by the refs. My top two teams actually both got screwed by the refs and should have beaten Auburn last year. Yes, we would like to throw that out there. As Auburn fans, we should have lost to both those teams. So to both those fan bases, we are self-aware. <laughs> we are sorry that... We are sorry and we are self-aware. We're sorry that Bonix fumbled the ball, but they still gave it to us. For, for some, some reason. reason, yeah. And we're sorry that I think we were holding on a play. Was that it? Yeah, no, 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 no. So. Sean... He took a, he caught a kickoff, but then backed up into the end zone or something. And something happened oh, where they they had a touchdown. He fumbled, he like grabbed he grabbed helped help, got the ball, dropped it. It was like oh okay, it's still it's dead. Fair catch or not fair catch touchback. But then they ran into the end zone, picked it up, and it should have been a touchdown. Wow, they got screwed. It's tough. And uh, and speaking of Ole Miss, really, we have the Heisman leaders through week three. We already kind of touched on Bryce Young and Matt Corral. I feel like you have to throw in Spencer Rattler. I don't think Rattler deserves to be there right now, um, especially at three. Well, it, well, let me rephrase what I was saying. The sports world will throw Spencer Rattler in there, they and won't. that's more what I meant. I don't think he deserves it, but he's going to be in there. Oh, he, yeah. he, he's going to be just because it's Oklahoma. They always produce good quarterbacks, and it's just his name carries weight, in my opinion. Um, I don't think he deserves it. Number four, we have Desmond Ritter. I love I Dude, if Cincinnati was the one of Heisman this uh, year. Oh, it would be incredible. Too bad the it. Heisman's a team award and not actually the best yeah, player in college football. It's best but, player on best team. Yes, which is usually it's, Alabama. It's never really the best player on the best team. Yeah. Or best player on the, be, on the on that team. It's usually just like the best skill position player. Devonta did, was De- deserving of it last Devonta year. Devonta deserved it. Yes. But um, did, like, did a, who won before him? Uh, I don't think, I don't. <laughs> No idea. <laughs> We're playing. It's been a very long day for us. We've had Derek, a long Derek school Derek Henry didn't survive. I agree. I'll Christian McCaffrey that. definitely. As C- a, C-Mac and Deshaun Watson both deserved that. As a diehard Tennessee Titans fan, Derek Henry did not deserve the Heisman. As a diehard Carolina Panthers fan, C-Mac CMC did deserve, <laughs> did deserve it. Yeah. And at five, we have C.J. Stroud. Uh, he's played pretty well. I feel like Ohio State, Ohio State just makes him look worse than he is because their defense is bad. But... At one, Bryce Young, and two, Matt Corral. We touched on him a lot. Uh, moving, moving on to the AP poll preview. Yeah, we talk about the AP poll a little bit. Uh, of course, you all know Bama and Georgia won. Everyone else just kind of falls into line. I think we go from the bottom up. Okay. I feel like that's the weirder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Kansas part. State at 25. 3-0. They beat Stanford week one. Huge. I forgot who they beat week two, and week three I cannot tell you. <laughs> Anyway, so the we don't. Is right next to the mic, and I don't. In other words, that. we don't. Um, we don't. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> uh, UCLA drops to 24. That's very deserving. They, they should not have lost to Friends of State. spots. Auburn only fell one spot. Which I, I kind of like that. It's kind of nice. It's kind of nice seeing a still. I don't. I don't want to see us above that 20 spot because I, I don't either. We don't. We do not deserve it. Um, Fresno at 22. Um, I guess they deserve it. Yeah, be good for the them. Top, top fifteen team. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's that, that's cool. So I'm good Arkansas for their program. Too, but now I'll look at Arkansas. We got UNC at twenty one. I mean, I I'm a low key Tar Heels fan. I mm-hmm. also love that they lost to Virginia Tech. I can't wait to see who that. they play. I can't wait to watch their game against who are they playing? Georgia Tech. Oh, that'll be cool. Since George, well, I feel like this will tell us if Georgia Tech was actually that good or if Clemson's really that bad. Yeah, big teller for that. Big teller. Um, now we got. Our uh, Michigan State Spartans at twenty. We love the Spartans. We've already... I, I have to name the the episode after the Spartans because we've talked. Oh, about we have them to. So much. Yeah, yeah. We love Dylan and I are high on the Spartans this year. At nineteen, we have the Michigan Wolverines. Um, our least favorite team in Michigan. 
absolutely his favorite team. They moved up. Who did they beat? Six spots? I don't think they've beaten anyone. Of they beat Washington, who's not good this year. I don't I've think read, they... I can't, I, who they did beat, they beat last week? They beat Western Michigan week one. I know. Okay. Or, yeah. Who's their third win? I, I'm i going to look it up. Continue. Um. All right, well, before we figure out who Michigan... Northern Illinois. Okay, so a Northern Illinois win jumped them six spots, which I think is a BS. And, all right, so now we're going to move on to Wisconsin. I mean, I feel like Wisconsin's always a pretty solid team. You can throw them at 18. They'll be moving up a good bit next week. Yeah. I um, beat... <clears throat> They tamed that I'll get to later. <laughs> uh, all right, now we have Coastal at 17. I love that Coastal's in the top 25. Um, they moved down one, but, I mean, I guess that's to be expected with Arkansas with their win. Because um, Arkansas's at 16. I like that. I like that. Um, we got BYU at 15, which is good. I also was not high on BYU this year. Jumped eight spots after beating the Spartans. I like that. And we, Sun Devils. Uh, yeah, same thing. Um, <laughs> we have Iowa State at 14. They did not move. I feel like they'll be a good team this year. We'll see how they do. The only team in the way of Oklahoma. Yes. And number 13, we have Ole Miss, Hottie Toddy. We love the Rebs. We've already talked about them. 12, we have Notre Dame. I don't like them at 12. They don't deserve to be at 12, they I'd say. They should probably be in like that 20 like yeah. range. I mean, we'd throw them there. I feel like they deserve to be in like the 16 think, or 17 I think they're better range. than like TCU and yes. Liberty, maybe. 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 Ma- maybe. Maybe. Liberty could beat them, though, I feel I like. I thought Liberty would beat them. I, th- I feel like any of the teams, Ole Miss could beat Notre Dame, Iowa State could I beat Notre like Dame. I feel like I'm biased because I feel like I'd pick anyone to beat. I, I We just hate Notre Dame over here, so maybe we're being a little bit biased, but I definitely feel like Ole Miss, Iowa State, <laughs> BYU, Arkansas could beat Notre Dame pretty yes. easily. And then I feel like Auburn and like those UNC and Michigan State, I feel like it'd be close, but I feel like that's kind of a toss up too. Um, well, let's let's move on to Florida. We can we can rail on Notre Dame all day. Um, Florida at eleven. I like Florida at eleven. I mean, they had a very close game with the best team in the country. They played they played so close to Bama. You really cannot. You can't. Drop them. You can't move them. Um, Ten Ohio State. I mean, cool. I don't know how they played. I don't know who they played either. Uh, they, they had they had the lowest attendance in I think twenty. It was like thirty years. They had their lowest attendance at a home game. No, I'm curious as to who they played. Yeah, go to. I know I saw it. Go to our I, good friend ECF and see if he posted about it. I was just gonna go to our no, good friend yeah, ESPN. Sure, <laughs> oh yeah, it's better. Tulsa. Yeah, well, they no one, no one points. came to that game. See attendance forty. No, that's not attendance. That's their zip code. Uh, seventy six thousand showed up. The capacity is one hundred and two thousand. That's so insane. That's what forty thousand empty seats. Well, less than thirty. Uh, yeah, ish. Then we got Clemson at nine. I too high. way too high after they barely beat one of the worst teams in the ACC historically. They should have, with the amount of talent that they have, they should be winning that game by twenty eight points. It's really funny considering how good those games were. Clemson and Notre Dame were last year. It's amazing to me how that game would be terrible. The game would be terrible. I wouldn't really watch that game, probably. But guess what? Game day would go to it. Oh, of course they would. Eight, we have the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, they should be higher. I love the Bearcats. I think that they're better than Texas A&M, and I also think they're better than Penn State. But here we are. Penn State's a debate. Penn State's a debate. They should but... be at least seven. Yes, I agree. Um, so Texas A&M at seven. I think they're way too high. I don't really – just way, way too high. We've kind of already touched on that. Um, Penn State at six. I don't really think they deserve to move up four slots after beating Auburn, but 
Also, I'm not going to be mad that they're at six because I mean they're pretty good college football teams. That so. makes that makes our loss look better. Yes, I agree. I I just I just don't think that we're that good personally. Yeah. But um, five, we have Iowa. I love Iowa. I would absolutely love to see them win the Big Ten this year. That would be incredible for the college football world. Please, please, please college football gods, please. Four, we have Oklahoma. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that they're good enough to be there. It's just they're undefeated. It's just they're undefeated, so I guess they deserve it on paper. Yeah. And Three, uh, Oregon. threes, Oregon. I love Oregon. Um, I've always been a low-key kind of Oregon supporter. I, I, I just like seeing when they're good, and I think they're a good three-team. And, of course, we have Alabama, George, at the one and two slot. You can't argue with I that. I feel like we don't really need to touch on we those. We don't need to touch on those that at all. Those are the, without a doubt. Those are the only two definitive spots in the top 25 that are not up for debate. You can't <laughs> yes. put Georgia at one. You can't put Alabama at two. But Alabama and Georgia at one That's and two is perfect. That's why they're the only two that are getting first place votes. Yes. But if I remember correctly, there are seven teams from the SEC in the top 25. Cool. One, two, three. And only – oh, no – Five, and five of them, I think, are West teams. <laughs> Nothing Auburn, new Auburn, Arkansas, Mississippi, or Ole Miss, A&M, and Alabama. Five Nothing West, new. and then Georgia, Florida. Nothing new there. So half the SEC is ranked. It's incredible. And Vanderbilt's not one of them. Just want to throw that out there. The only West team, the only West teams that are not ranked are West, or not West Virginia, Mississippi State and LSU. But LSU is getting votes. Wow. At one point, Kentucky should be in there. Mississippi State should have lost to Memphis. Just saying that again. They, I think they were getting votes last week. They should have, honestly. All right, so now we're going to talk about Arch Manning, potential top five. The nephew of Peyton Manning, I believe. Right? And Eli. Yeah, that's huge. Um, and of course is, he's getting, Tennessee is not in his top five. That's interesting to me. I think it's but smart. <laughs> also, it's very smart. Um, but... He did uh, just visit, he just visited uh, Georgia. That's cool. I did see that. I mean, that's a great game to visit. Great environment. Great college football town. Great team. Uh, I like that he has Ole Miss in there. I like that he's giving Ole Miss some some love. Yeah, I don't know who he's. I forgot. Oh, he's going to the Ole Miss LSU game. Oh, that'll be cool. Because his grandfather Archie is getting. Hit, oh no, not Archie. Eli, his uncle, is getting, getting his jersey retired. Getting his jersey retired. Right. That's huge. And he's going to Alabama. On the week they play Ole Miss. So technically Ooh. he gets two Ole Miss games. What if Ole Miss wins both those? That'd be cool. If, if Ole Miss is going to become a QB factor if they get Arch Manning. Oh my gosh. Imagine Max- the other recruits that would come in after, especially if Arch Manning produces. Oh my gosh. And Clemson and Texas are kind of like on the back end. I feel like everyone pretty much. Does. I mean, those are, I feel like you just got to, those are schools whose name carries a lot of weight in the college football world. Um, of course, he still has like two more years. He's class oh, class yeah, twenty three. Yeah. But if you show that high potential at that young of an age, automatically you get these schools looking at you. I feel like he's probably more hyped up than Quinn Overs is. I agree. And I feel like it's only but he's not going to be a perfect recruit. He's not going to be a perfect recruit. But he, his last name carries so much weight in the football world. Oh, I love it. Man- Manning is. Whenever you hear the word Manning, you're like, oh, you're a quarterback, right? Great quarterbacks in the NFL. And of course, as I forgot, I forgot that the. the the brother's name, not Eli or Peyton. I can't His remember. dad? Cooper. Yeah, Cooper. Did he even play football? He, yeah, he was a great receiver. He was really. He was Peyton's number one target in high school. I did not know that. And he would have went pro, but he had a uh, career-ending injury. Oh, wow. I did not and know that. then he had a son who is now one of the best quarterbacks in high school history. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to move on to predicting week four. Do you four. want to do predicting, or do you want to do the what-if scenario before we do predicting? Um, well, yeah, let's do the what-if scenario. So, Dylan and I were talking earlier today, 
And we came up with a little scenario. What if Cam Newton stayed for an extra season after the 2010 national championship run? Which I think is fascinating to really think about. As well as an Auburn fan, but I feel like as a college football fan, I mean, you could argue Cam's maybe one of the best college quarterbacks to ever play. Maybe not resume-wise, but talent-wise, 100%. Yeah. Also looking at the team in general, the offense would probably be on the same par because Cam, uh-huh. Cam carried that offense. But the defense, though? Think it would have been better or worse? Worse. They would have lost. Because Fairley would have been gone. Fairley would have been gone. Uh, Ford, D. Ford would have been up and rising. He probably would have been starting okay. at that point. Uh, the corners would not be as good. Chris Davis would be stepping up into a role uh, at that point. Uh, but the big thing is, I think Cam Newton carried that. That was when offense was such a big thing. It wasn't a big, like, a great thing, but all, great, good offenses were able just to make, to win good games. Yeah. Uh, so I think Cam Newton would have carried that team to at least, if they would have been 10-2 and two to 11-1, and one, I don't think they would have beat Bama again. Uh, but the big thing about that is that maybe Gus would have stayed for another year. Gene Chizik would probably still be coached for another mm-hmm. good amount of years until Cam left. Which is, which Gus Malzahn probably wouldn't have taken him to, uh, a national champ. I mean, if I mean, let's. I mean, Gene would have probably been there. I mean, let's say Cam stays, he wouldn't have had a bad season. Would no, not have had a bad no. season. So, his track re- record for being fired probably would have been extended longer, which means that maybe Gus wouldn't have been available for that job. And if he was, I don't think he would have had that national championship run. Because would, like, would he have even gotten Nick Marshall? Would he have even you know like like it just raises all these questions. He might have still got Nick Marshall in some way, shape, or form. But the thing about that is, uh, you'd be missing on the twenty thirteen season. Yeah, that's that season of destiny would have never happened if Cam would have stayed. Yes, I feel which like. I'm glad we never had the kick six. We never got the prayer Jordan hair. Uh, also, I would have hated it too because my Carolina Panthers would have drafted two bad quarterbacks in a row because we would have had to settle for Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, which. Oh, dear Lord. There's also the scenario that that could raise that it, would Andrew Luck have left a year early. And then would Carolina have gotten Andrew Luck instead? Yeah. A really fun thing to think. I love what a scenarios in football because you, one, the domino effect. You don't know where it's going to fall. Yeah. But now we'll move move on. That was a little, a quick little segment. Predicting week four. We got some right, fun let's, games. Let's, yo, we got not some as, great Not games. as much as last week, but I found seven games that I think are pretty fun and could have a very big say and how the rest of the season goes uh first i have the number 12 notre dame fighting irish versus the number 18 wisconsin bear uh, bears badgers wisconsin is a five and a half point favorite and i am going to go with the badgers is it at wisconsin it's in chicago it's a neutral site i believe so what the heck i don't know why it's in uh the chicago bear stadium but i'm going with wisconsin either way I'm also going with with uh, Wisconsin on that one. Notre Dame has been bailed out too much, and I will keep my streak going of not pick, picking them to win any game. Okay. Up next, we have Mississippi State at LSU. LSU's a three-point favorite. I I don't know why I picked this game, but I think it's just fun to think about the fact that this was the big game that put Ed Orgeron kind of on the hot seat last year. Yeah. Mississippi State's looking decent. LSU's looked pretty good. Average. This could be a just your average like fun SEC game to watch, but I'm gonna go with the 
LSU Tigers. I'm also going to go with LSU on that one. I don't really believe in Mississippi State, and 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 LSU is a super hostile environment. So, and I think it's also a seven o'clock kickoff too. So it's a night game in Tiger Stadium. Uh, then we have my probably game of the week on my football page is A and M, the number seventeen in the nation versus number sixteen Arkansas. Wow. A and M is a. This final. is the one in Dallas, right? Yes, it is. Or in Jerry's World. Yeah, Jerry's World. A and M is a five and a half point favorite, and also gotta look at this thing. Why isn't this college game day? Honestly, they're going. To, they're going to Chicago for Notre Dame, Wisconsin. No. <laughs> you finally have Arkansas as good as they are right now, and you're not gonna go to there. I hate game day sometimes, but A and M is a five five and a half point favorite. Give me the upset. I like Arkansas. We'll pick. I also like Arkansas because Texas A&M's quarterback game is abysmal, and I don't think that it will hold up against a good Arkansas team. And up next, we have well, I'll, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna lump these two ACC teams the games together instead. I'm gonna skip over the note. so these are the two tellers for me. Clemson at NC State. Clemson is a ten point favorite. I think Clemson wins, but it's gonna be by less than ten. Um, gosh, I mean, I'll pick Clemson, I guess. I, I, I don't see NC State winning. As much as I, I know I say this at least for one game every week, I would love to be wrong. Love to be wrong. Oh, yeah. And then we also have, I'm going to skip over that one. We'll come back to it. Uh, number 21, UNC versus Georgia Tech. UNC is a 12-point favorite. We just watched Georgia Tech basically stun that Clemson offense. Those two ACC games are a teller as to what Clemson really is in the ACC right now. Yeah. But I'm going to be going with the Tar Heels. Um, also going to go with the Tar Heels. I'd, I'm convinced that the Clemson game is kind of a fluke. I don't think they're good enough to beat UNC. That's my pick. I think those two games are very important to Clemson's future. Uh, next we have West Virginia at number four, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a 16.5 point favorite. And I'm... I would love to go with my family in West Virginia, but with the game in Norman, I'm going to go with Oklahoma, but I think the game is going to be closer than 16. Way closer. Um, let's see. I, yeah, I don't think Oklahoma is winning by 16, but I'm rolling with the Sooners. And the last game I added was, a. I just wanted another game to add. I asked you about it, and you said yep. you liked it. I like it's it. It's going to be a fun game. I'm still maybe undecided about this. Who did I say I picked? <laughs> and I don't even I don't feel confident in my pick. Uh, but it's Colorado at Arizona State. Pac-12 after dark. Colorado is like two weeks out of stunning A&M. Yeah. Arizona State is fresh off of a loss to BYU. Yeah. But ASU is a 14.5-point favorite. And I think I'm going to go with the Sun Devils. We're picking every team the same this week. i got to catch up. <laughs> um, all right, well, it looks like I will be picking my boys in Tempe. Go Sun Devils. I think they're going to beat Colorado. I think Jade and Daniels have a good day. That's my pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't watch a lot of the Colorado A&M game because it was so boring. But I know Colorado is a decent def- – they look like they have a decent defense, but, I mean, they also played against a bad – and defense or A&M offense, but yeah, we picked every game the same. 
uh, wow, you might get some good picks this week. Or we might just do abysmal. <laughs> yeah, you have we have your luck and my bad luck going on. Maybe it'll mix and then make some medium luck. Maybe we'll just go 500. Maybe, hopefully, we get Wisconsin, Arkansas, oh, the rest of them. Uh, actually, I hope, kind of hope Georgia Tech beats UNC. Yeah. Because it makes them look good and it makes... No, wait, it would make Clemson look good. I hope NC State wins. Yeah. We do, but it's not going to happen. But anyways, uh, this has been episode eight of the Benchwarmers podcast. Thank you for tuning in. It is always a pleasure to uh, have you guys on. Yep. That's what you said. I'm Dylan. I'm Bark. Good to see you guys. Benchwarmers podcast. War Eagle.